Yeah, I'm so grateful for uh, men and women like Billy Graham who leave a legacy of grace and love and faith. Uh, I talk a lot about uh, making ripples with your life, and that guy, man, did a cannonball into the pool of life. We're going to be feeling those ripples for a long, long time, uh, for eternity, actually. Very, very grateful for him. And so grateful for the ripples of this campus and the difference you're making here in this valley and around the world. I want to welcome our Southeast campus. And those of you that might be joining us online today, uh, super stoked that you're here. Grateful that uh, we get to do this together. Uh, my name is Mike Bro. In case we haven't met, I get to drop in from time to time and have the privilege of teaching here. And we're wrapping up this series called More Than Happy, where we've been hanging this little book in the back of the New Testament of the Bible called the Book of Philippians. It's actually a letter that was written by a guy named Paul to a whole bunch of brand new uh, Jesus followers like many of, many of us. And we've heard him along the way op open the letter by saying things like, and, I, and I'm confident of this, that God who started that good work in you is going to carry it on to completion. In chapter number two, he encouraged us to have the same kind of roll up your sleeves and serve other people kind of attitude that Jesus did. In fact, he said, do, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider other people better than yourselves. Then like a coach that was given a halftime speech, he said, you got to press on toward the goal. Don't quit. Learn to develop endurance. We heard him say things like, don't be anxious about anything. Just chill. Just talk to God about it. Pour it out to God. And the peace of God that transcends all human understanding will come and settle you down. He told us we ought to think, think about things that are noble and lovely and right and pure and, and excellent and praiseworthy because the battle for lasting life change really is fought in the mind. I mean, so much great stuff in this little letter. If you missed any of the series, uh, you can catch up uh, by going to our website and, and, and watching those online. And today, I want to wrap this up talking about two words that I believe that could really hold the key to you being more than happy every day of your life. You know, sometimes we'll hear, you know, maybe a, a great 30-minute message from Shane or, or from Lee, or maybe you, uh, you know, tune in some 20-minute uh, great TED talk, or, or maybe you read like a 500-page incredible novel, or you even see like a really simple thought-provoking 140-character tweet, and just completely changes your perspective on something. But you know what? Sometimes all it takes is two words. I mean, sometimes there, there's, there's power in two words, I mean, think, think about this. Two words like, you're hired. You're fired, right? <laughs> Pull over. There, there are two words that can change everything in your life, such as like, she's cute. Just friends. Date night. Long kiss. Head spins. In love. Marry me. I do. I'm pregnant. It's triplets. We're broke. And sometimes two words can just change everything. But I believe the most powerful two-word combination is thank you. I'm learning that gratitude is an absolute game changer. And the more frequently you and I actually say those two words together throughout our day, the more our heart and our mind begin to change. I've got a bunch of little kids running around our house right now. It's like the greatest gift in my life right now. Man, we have a bunch of them. And uh, there are toys everywhere, clothes everywhere, diapers everywhere, Legos everywhere. I mean, it's children's books galore. 
And, and I love children's books because I can understand them. I need pictures. I don't know about you. I need pictures. But I ran across a great line in that classic children's book, Winnie the Pooh, that said this. Piglet noticed that even though he had a very small heart, it could hold a rather large amount of gratitude. And that's, that's the kind of heart that I want, right? That's the kind of heart that you want, right? Like we said, we're walking through this letter called Philippians. And I just want to hang for a few minutes in these words written by this guy named Paul who was in prison for his faith in Christ. And, and when you see these words, when, you, when we read these words, these are not the kind of words you would expect to come out of a damp, dark prison cell. But this is what Paul writes. He says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And that is such a rich passage of Scripture. I have learned how to be content. I want to learn that secret, don't you? Come in, let's face it. It's not easy being content, living in the culture in which we live, especially with social media. I mean, we, we scroll through our like Facebook or Instagram feed, and we see everybody else's highlight reel of a life, how they've lost 20 pounds in three days, their stunning vacation pictures, their amazing kitchen remodel, their Pinterest-inspired preschool snacks, all their kids are dressed in adorable outfits that they handcrafted, and they're all eating vegetables from the garden that they planted, and they're sitting around this farmhouse table that they built one afternoon from some pallets that they found behind the old Albertson store. You know, and all of a sudden, we're looking at this going, man, my life stinks. And then we started thinking, you know what, my, my life is actually less than. I, I'm not good enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not worthy enough. I, I, you know what, I haven't been blessed like they've been blessed. And all of a sudden, a lack of gratitude begins to take us to some very unhealthy places. And then ingratitude starts to fuel a thing called envy. I think I may have given you this little definition of envy before when I was here, but let me, let me give it to you again. Envy is resenting God's goodness in someone else's life while ignoring his goodness in mine. Envy is resenting God's goodness in someone else's life while ignoring his goodness in mine. And I'm telling you guys from experience, if envy goes unchecked, it will cause all kinds of damage in your soul, in your mind, in your body. Did you know that envy ruins our health? I mean, all kinds of studies back this up. It's impossible for an envious person to be a healthy person at the same time. Envy is insidious. It is progressive in nature. It kills our ability to celebrate. It just keeps chipping away at our insides. It eats away at your peace. And when your peace is gone, your contentment is gone. And when your contentment is gone, your gratitude is gone. And when your gratitude is gone, your joy is gone. And when your joy is gone, your strength is gone. Worry and anxiety step into that void. They begin to rob you of sleep. Your nerves begin to tighten. You start to get irritable. Your body begins to break down. Your joints hurt. You get headaches, backaches, knots in your stomach, and your blood pressure begins to to rise. It's why it says in Proverbs 14 30, a heart at peace. That gives life to the body. But envy, oh man, it just rots the bones. Again, fueled by ingratitude, envy not only ruins our health, but don't you know by now how it wrecks our relationships? It blinds us to all the good things in our own life. 
and begins to point out our shortcomings, which in turn fuels this out-of-control, obsessive, competitive drive to win, and we can't celebrate the good things that are going on in other people's lives. Instead, we start to view other people as only a threat. I'm telling you guys, the comparison trap is an unhealthy place to live. Solomon, who wrote most of the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes, he made a really wise observation that I think nails our culture. He said this, then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. He's just saying, listen, there's no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison. But dang it, we try, don't we? I like how Andy Stanley calls it longing for the land of Ur. You ever been there, the land of Ur? Where it's not enough to be pretty, you got to be pretty Ur. you got to be thin Ur, strong Ur, smart Ur, rich Ur. Your car has to be nice Ur. And you might think that once you arrive in the land of Ur, that then you would be content. But out there in the turquoise waters, just beyond the shore of Ur, singing its siren song is the Isle of Est. Where now it's not enough to be prettier, you got to be prettiest. you got to be thinest, strongest, smartest, richest, nicest. you got to be retweeted S, right? And I'm telling you guys, the, the Isle of S is a lonely, lonely place to live because it's a mirage. And living there breeds enormous discontentment. It sucks the joy out of your life. It robs your peace, and it just fuels this life of ingratitude. Now, I don't think I'm overstating this at all. This is a big deal. Think about this for a second. Ingratitude was the reason for the original fall. It was humanity's discontent with all that God has so richly and freely given them. They were living in absolute paradise, and they said, yeah, but what about that? Huh? What about that? I believe personally that ingratitude is a catalyst for all my sins. It empowers my self-centered pride. It stokes my jealousy. It just fans the flames of lust and envy. And it gets me living with this stupid sense of entitlement where I go through life going, I deserve more than this. I deserve that. I deserve this. So if ingratitude is the culprit, then maybe gratitude is the cure. And I'm learning there's enormous power in those two words, thank you. Gratitude has the power to change the way you do your life. So let me just give you a couple of simple things for you to hang on to today to think about and practice this week and maybe incorporate them into the regular rhythm of your life so that you can climb out of or keep from falling into that comparison trap. And you can start to fill your heart with a rather large amount of gratitude. The first one is very simple. It's this. Start counting. Start counting. I, I said we got a bunch of little kids running around our house. Uh, Levi and Crosby are the youngest and they're learning to count. It's so cute, man. There's like one, two, seven, three, eight, and four. You know, it's just fun to listen to them learn how to count. One of the first things kids learn how to do is count, right? I mean, if you're in the band, you know how important counting is. If you stop counting and you're doing music, you are totally lost. In fact, if one person in the band stops counting, the whole band is affected, and the song loses its rhythm and its focus and its harmony. And when you and I stop counting our blessings, our life starts to lose the song and the rhythm. And I'm learning that if you want to discover or rediscover the rhythms of grace and joy and peace and contentment, you've got to start counting up all the gifts that God has given you. I mean, really, count them. Write them down. Start to make a list. 
Sometimes I'll sit down and write whatever comes to my mind. I'll just sit down with a laptop or sit down with a spiral notebook, just write pepperoni, uh, puppies, uh, putting your underwear on straight out of the dryer. Uh, just good things in life. Just start writing them down. Count them up. We have a little needlepoint piece in our kitchen. It says this. I think it's needlepoint. It might be embroidery. I'm not sure. But it says this. Contentment is not the achievement of all that we want. It's the realization of all that we already have. And man, we have been so blessed, haven't we? I, I live in Ventura, California now. And I sat on the beach the other day because I can. And... Uh, <laughs> And I just started doing, doing that little gratitude exercise where I was just writing whatever came to my mind. I had a, I, there was nobody on the beach. I was sitting up like in the dunes and looking at the water. And I was just typing in stuff on my laptop, things I was thankful for. And these, this, this, this dad and his son show up in front of me. Out, they're out in the water. And he's a big old dude. He's ripped. He's tatted all up. He's this huge guy. And he's got this little boy like three years old. And he's just picking him up, and they're running into waves and crashing into the waves. And the little boy's cracking up laughing. They're having a blast, and they run back to the shore. Then they run back in the water again, and boom, take another wave, and he'd crack up again. And I'm sitting there watching this as I'm writing all the things I'm grateful for. And I had one of those moments where I felt like God spoke to me. He says, see that? That's you and me. That's what I do for you. You have no idea how many times I've shouldered into a wave so you didn't get hit. And I just I got really emotional just sitting there watching these guys. And then I felt like, you know, sometimes you get kind of nudged by the Holy Spirit and said, go down and tell that dad. So I got up from my chair and I walked down to the water and I said, uh, hey, man, um, I don't want you to think I'm like creepy stalker man sitting back here. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've just been kind of doing a little devotional time, just a little quiet time, writing down things I'm thankful for. And I, I just thought I was supposed to come in here and tell you, you're like a really good dad. And I could see, this guy's huge, huge dude. And I could see the, like tears welling up in his eyes. I said, that little boy is, I mean, he's got a gift in you. And I've just been sitting up here watching you guys, and I felt like God told me, he said, that's me and you. That's the way I love you. And I want to let you know, man, that's the way God loves you and that little boy. And thank you for, for giving me that picture today. And I see a tear start to come out of his eye now. And he goes, man, that really meant a lot to me. Thank you. And I walked back to my chair, and I thought, man, I just need to notice stuff like that more. I mean, every day there's stuff that happens around me. I just don't even notice it. I just need to start counting more. Just build that into the regular rhythm of my day. Look at that passage again. Paul writes these words, Philippians 4.11. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation with a full stomach or empty, plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I love how Paul said, I have learned. I have learned the secret of being content. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. How do you learn anything? You practice, right? Like the old story about a guy in New York City stops a man on the street and says, excuse me, sir, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? He goes, oh, practice. Practice, practice, right? You get proficient at anything by practicing it. You might say, you know what? I've learned to play guitar. How? Because I practiced. I learned how to shoot free throws. Why? Because, because I practiced. I might say I learned how to preach. But, well, actually, I'm practicing right now. Thank you for being kind and patient with me as I practice. But you learn anything by practicing. And here's the deal. You learn contentment by practicing gratitude. You learn contentment by practicing gratitude. 
You guys ever been on one of those uh, like glass bottom boat things? Uh, you know, they have them on these vacation destinations in the Caribbean, Mexico, maybe Catalina Island, I'm not sure. Uh, down in Florida, they got them. You get a crowd of people on this boat, and there's like a viewing area on the bottom of the boat, and everybody's excited what they're going to see. But as the boat pulls away from the harbor, people start moving away from the viewing area because there's really nothing to see. Because the faster the boat goes, everything just gets kind of lost in the blur. It gets kind of lost in the churning of the water. But then the captain might pull that boat into a cove, maybe park it next to a coral reef or something like that. He shuts off the engine, and everything gets real still. And the bottom of the boat turns into this magnificent underwater display of beauty. And it was just a few feet away the whole time. But you can't see it because the boat is ripping through the water at such a rapid pace. The only way to drink in all that underwater wonderment is to slow down and come to a stop. Now, I think you and I are pretty good at skimming the surface, aren't we? And we miss what's just right below the surface the whole time. So I'm just trying to slow down, trying to stop, trying to notice, reflect, count, and just practice giving thanks every day of my life. All throughout the Old Testament of the Bible, which is largely about the nation of Israel, you would see them stopping to stack up rocks as a place of remembrance for what God had done about the faithfulness of God. So, so as a, maybe a family's walking through the countryside, they're taking a trip, and, and a kid goes, hey, Dad, what, what are those rocks that are stacked up over there? And that would give that dad, that would give that mom a chance to say, oh, let me tell you the story about the time where God, and they talked about the goodness of God. And when you and I stop stacking stones, we stop telling the stories of God's goodness and faithfulness. Now, I'm not suggesting you go home and build a rock altar in your backyard. But maybe you could start like a gratitude scrapbook with your family. Or maybe you could write in a journal or maybe you could, you know, do a blog post or just capture moments of pictures on your phone every day of things you're grateful for. Why not teach your kids to have grateful hearts by dedicating like an entire wall in your home where they can just walk up and write things that they're thankful for every day. But practice every day. Start counting what you already have. Then secondly, share the joy. Let that gratitude be contagious to other people. Have you ever noticed how a negative kind of person can just suck the life out of a room? I mean, negativity, cynicism, entitlement, those things are contagious. But did you know so is joy? So is gratitude? So is contentment? Let, let's just see if you cannot laugh as you watch Tripp and Tyler talk about the different styles of laughing that we have. Check this out. Hey, Tyler. What? What do you do when you see a spaceman? I don't know. You park your car in it, man. It's funny. Yeah, why aren't you laughing? I said that's funny. Yeah, but that's what you do when you can't even muster up a courtesy laugh. I don't know what you want from me right now. I don't know. Maybe just a... <laughs> that's not really my style. I'm more of a... <laughs> oh, I'm kind of a... <laughs> <laughs> he said you park your car in it. It's a spaceman.
Oh, man. Could you identify yourself or somebody you love? I'm telling you, laughter is contagious. Joy is contagious. My wife, Debbie, is no Debbie Downer. Uh, she is one of the most contagiously joyful people you'll ever meet in your life. And if you know her, you know what I'm talking about. You'd say the same thing. I'm not just bragging because she's my wife. It's just true about her. She giggles throughout life. She changes the environment of any room she walks into, makes our family so fun, makes everybody that comes into our house feel welcome. Why is, why is it like that when people come to our house? Because she's taken an HGTV course on how to make your home more inviting. <laughs> is it because she's super, super outgoing and charismatic? No. You know why? She's grateful. She's grateful. Somebody put it like this. It's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. It's not, it's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. I got to spend a few days with our family up in Monterey, California around Christmas time. Um, we uh, got to drive the 17-mile drive around Pebble Beach, the Pacific Coast Highway. It's just spectacular. And we stopped at Pebble Beach Golf Course. All of us guys, we like to play golf. And we stood there on the 18th hole at Pebble Beach. And my boys went, Dad, we got to do this sometime. This is a bucket list thing, which meant you need to pay for this, Dad. Um, and, you know, you might have stuff on your bucket list you want to do before you kick the bucket. And I think that's fine. I really do think it's fine to pursue, pursue those things and check off your bucket list. But I'm telling you something. The elusive holy grail of joy is not found on the 18th green at Pebble Beach. It is not found in some exotic location or some adrenaline rush experience. You don't need to travel to the land of Ur or the Isle of Est. The only place we really need to visit before we kick the bucket is the land of gratitude. And I'm discovering that to find real paradise, I got to run from the desert of ungratefulness into a place of wonder and awe that flows from the goodness of God. That's why I am so glad that these days at the very top of my bucket list, right there living, right there next to living, living with Jesus is living with a thankful heart. You see, as long as thanks is possible, joy is possible because joy finds its roots in thanksgiving. I think I may have told you before how, as a pastor, some people will come to me, go, hey, bro, that's my last name, by the way. Hey, bro, sometimes I'm just trying to figure out, you know, like, what's God's will for my life? I'm just trying to, trying to figure it out. What's, what's he want me to do? What's God's will for my life? And a lot of times I'll point to this passage of scripture from 1 Thessalonians. Oh, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. They go, yeah, okay, dude, I know that. I know all that stuff. What I'm wondering is, what is God's will for my life? I want to know what God's will is for me. And I go, oh, sorry, I totally misunderstood you. God's will for your life, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful. For this is God's will for you. Start counting and share the joy. Because when you have thanksgiving in your heart, it removes that sense of entitlement that we tend to carry, and you come to God grateful for what you have, and you humbly tell him what you need, and you just do it consistently, like all the time, through the good times, through the bad times. That thanksgiving in your heart, that gratitude in your heart carries you through and gives you this deep-seated contentment. I was teaching in North Carolina last week at a church, and they asked me to talk on worship. As I was talking about worship, a lady's face just popped in my head. 
Her name is Fanny Hamilton. Uh, Fanny was at our church in Kentucky. She's 85 years old and worked with our uh, student ministry. She was awesome. And uh, she would sit right in the middle of our, our students in worship. And um, she had a stroke uh, about three years prior. Excuse me. She was paralyzed on the right side. And it took her a long time to get ready for church, but she made it like every weekend. Somebody come over and help her, and she would get there. I was leading worship one weekend, and I look out. She sat in a section like right over here. And she's standing in the middle of all these high school students. And she reaches over in the middle of worship with her good hand and picks up her bad hand and just raises it up to God, just singing with everything she was worth as if to say, even in this, I am so, so grateful for my life. You see, gratitude is all-inclusive. It flows from a very deep place, and it just shares the joy. It was kind of ironic. Last night when I, when I got here, uh, there was a copy of the Wall Street Journal uh, in my hotel room. Uh, and I never read the Wall Street Journal, but it, but it talked about all these studies that they've done about living with gratitude. And I thought, well, I'm talking about that tomorrow. So I read the article, and they're doing all this research that shows, especially that adolescents who learn to count their blessings, I'm talking about teenagers who serve those who are less fortunate, I'm talking about kids that go on mission trips, kids that live beyond themselves and stand up for the underdog, kids that just share the joy. They're finding that they thrive in almost every area of their life. Gratitude is that much of a game changer. So I'm reading this as a dad. I'm thinking as parents, we teach and we get after our kids, practice your piano, practice your gymnastics, practice your ball handling skills, practice your soccer skills, and all that stuff is good. But maybe, just maybe, in light of all that research and in light of the wisdom of God's word, we ought to highly stress and model the importance of practicing gratitude every day. Because that kind of practice is going to serve them for a lifetime. I got to go to Israel last year for the first time. And over in the land where Jesus walks, there's a mountain called Mount Hermon, and it's covered with snow, beautiful place. And that snow melt comes down the sides of that mountain, and it flows into another body of water called the Jordan River. You've probably heard of the Jordan River before. The Jordan River is a source of life. They've been baptizing people there for 2,000 years. John the Baptist started all that, baptized Jesus right there in the Jordan River. It's still a source of life for people. The Jordan River then flows southward and empties into the Sea of Galilee. Man, it's a beautiful place. A lot of cool stuff when you read the Gospels. Uh, Jesus did so many, walked on water there, calmed the storm there. A lot of cool things happened around the Sea of Galilee. Now it's a vacation spot. Uh, people swim there and vacation there and boat there and ski there. Uh, it receives the fresh water that's come from Mount Hermon in the Jordan River, and then it empties itself back into the Jordan River, and the Jordan continues to flow southward into a place called the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is not so beautiful. I mean, nothing lives there. The Dead Sea receives the same exact fresh water from the snow caps of Mount Hermon through the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee, back to the Jordan River. The difference? There's no outlet. The Dead Sea doesn't share the joy. It doesn't give. It just takes. And as a consequence, nothing can live in its bitter water. Two seas fed by the exact same source. One gives and lives. The other hoards and dies. And gang, if we only receive God's goodness and never like pour it back out, something inside of us dies. Our joy starts to die. 
You see, a life spent counting the blessings of God becomes a life spent giving away the blessings of God. God calls us to do things so that thanksgiving might translate into like thanks living. So what do you say that we start counting this week? That we all make a commitment this week. We're going to start practicing gratitude. We're going to count things. We're going to notice things. We're going to write things down. We're going to snap pictures. We're just going to say thank you a lot this week. And then this week, we start sharing the joy. We just start being contagious people who are just radiating that Thanksgiving. But let's just practice, practice, practice this week. And maybe, just maybe, God will develop into us the kind of heart that's able to hold a rather large amount of gratitude. Let's pray together. Father, so grateful for uh, the letter of Philippians. Thanks for including it in your word. Thanks for the power that we've seen in it. Thank you for all the things we've learned over the past few weeks. God, I, I thank you that your desire for our life is to be more than happy, to have a deep-seated joy because this life is hard sometimes. Tragic things happen. Unexpected things come our way, but to have that deep-seated joy, that contentment that we learn through practicing gratitude daily, God, that's just such a gift. Help us never confuse life with you, that you're always good. We sang that a little bit earlier, and we meant it. You're good all the time, and you're faithful to us, and you love us with a deep, deep love. And God, as we lean into that, we will discover that we, we can be more than just happy. We, we can have unspeakable joy. I'm so grateful, God. I thank you for all you've done in our lives. Jesus, we're so grateful that you went to the cross so that we could be forgiven, so we could live free and go to heaven, live forever with you. So grateful for that. And we're going to celebrate that right now. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.